Welcome to the Kingdom Roots Podcast with Scott McKnight, a conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Scott, why is this podcast so important in what we're going to be talking about? Chaz, uh, thanks for uh, that question. We're, we're, uh, we're talking about the word kingdom and the importance of kingdom roots because... The word kingdom is unquestionably the favorite term of many Christian leaders today. It is the favorite idea. You hear kingdom all the time. In fact, frequently, people like the word kingdom but aren't so sure about the word church. So we want to look at this whole idea of kingdom, and we want to make it the focus of this podcast that will reflect what's going on at Northern Seminary. So you say that the church likes to talk about kingdom, but sometimes it gets misunderstood. How do you think is the best way to understand kingdom? One of the great principles uh, that we learn in, in, in this kind of conversation is that we have to go back before we can go forward. In other words, uh, I'm a seminary professor. I'm committed to the Bible. I believe the Bible is God's word, and it teaches us what God wants God's people to do, how to live, how to think. So I want to know what the Bible means by the word kingdom. To do that, we have to go backwards. We have to investigate the meaning of the word kingdom in the Old Testament. We have to investigate the meaning of the word kingdom in the Jewish world. And only then can we understand what the word kingdom meant when Jesus said, uh, repent, for the kingdom of God has drawn near. So what do you think are one of the most misunderstood things about the, this concept of kingdom in the church today? Yeah, this one is a big one because uh, so many people use the word kingdom and uh, I don't have much hair left on my head, but I'm a hair scratcher when I hear people talk about the word kingdom. I think, my goodness. So um, I have a manuscript on my desk right now where a person is talking about kingdom. And really, I think what the person is concerned about is poverty in the world. And as I read the manuscript, all I hear is uh, when we're working against poverty in the world, we're building the kingdom of God. When we work against the lack of water supply, we're building the kingdom of God. This is a very common understanding of kingdom. And I would not say that Jesus would be against any of those. My goodness, he'd be totally in favor of them. But what did kingdom mean for someone like Jesus? I am virtually certain that he does not use the word kingdom the Old Testament never uses the word kingdom. The Jewish world does not use the word kingdom for those kinds of ideas. Instead, the word kingdom has, an, uh, has other focuses. Uh, it digs deep roots rather than, let's just say, uh, spinning out uh, leaves on the upper surface. The, the kingdom of God is a big uh, developed idea, and we want to explore some of that. So it seems to be able to really understand the kingdom of God. We have to understand the roots and where they come from. Yes. What are the best ways to begin to understand those roots? I think we have to begin by looking, for instance, at what the word kingdom meant 
in the Jewish world. That's, that's the deep roots that we are so concerned about at Northern Seminary in the New Testament uh, program. We want to explore the context of the New Testament. And in my uh, investigations of the meaning of the word kingdom, it's pretty clear to me that the word kingdom has five central elements. There has to be a king, and that's God in Christ. This king has to rule, and this king rules redemptively. He saves people. He liberates people. He rescues people. He forgives people's sins, and he also governs these people. But at the same time, there's a king, and there's a rule, and this king rules over a people. So, if you were to ask a first century Jew the meaning of the word kingdom when Jesus said the kingdom of God has drawn near, the most natural synonym for the word kingdom is nation or Israel. So they would have thought of a people. And one of the mistakes in our world today is that we think the word kingdom means salvation or redemptive activity. And that's one element, as I just said. This king rules by redeeming and performing a holistic salvation. But not only is there a king first, and a rule second, and a people third, this king rules by giving a law. And that law is the Torah of the Old Testament, one of the deep roots. It's the wisdom tradition of the Old Testament. It's the teaching of Jesus. And as the New Testament unfolds, this kingdom uh, ethic, this law, will manifest itself in life in the Spirit. And then finally, and this is one that is vital for anybody who cares about incarnational and missional Christianity, is that the word kingdom always implied a land, a place, a sacred space, a place where people could live and where they could embody this king's rule over their lives together. So, I think we have to dig into the roots of the Bible to understand the meaning of the kingdom, Chaz. And uh, I find people, when they, when they look at the Bible, they, they agree with what I say, but it's not always transferring, I have to admit this, it's not always transferring into people in the church speaking intelligently of what the kingdom of God means. It, it's, mm. it's a fashionable term. We use kingdom for everything we like, and we tend to use church for everything we don't like about we, we attach the word institutional to the word church, but no one attaches the word institutional to the word kingdom because they like kingdom and they don't like church. And institutional is a way of critiquing things. So Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the here at Northern Seminary, this is where we're recording this at, that we have a Master's of Arts in New Testament. How exactly will this program that we have uh, help people understand the roots of the kingdom better? Well, uh, the focus of our program is, is sort of uh, uh, twofold. And I'm really glad you asked this because I'm very excited about our Master of Arts in New Testament kicking off next fall, and we've already got some wonderful students who are enrolling, and I think it's going to be a really exciting uh, relationship that I will have with this uh, special relationship I will have with these students. But we are going to focus on the context of the New Testament as a missional context. So the kingdom ministry of Jesus took place in Galilee. We want to understand the dynamic of how kingdom related to Galilee then we're going to explore 
how Paul took this ministry of Jesus and, and adapted it, accommodated it, adjusted it, explored new ideas, expanded it as he moved into the Roman Empire. Peter as well, John as well. And then we want to see how the, how the gospel itself, how the kingdom of God um, took root in the first century as a model, in its own context, as a model for how the gospel and the kingdom can take root in our context. So from the beginning all the way to the end of this Master of Arts in New Testament, we are going to be focusing on the missional implications of what Jesus meant by kingdom, of what Paul meant by the gospel, and how these things work themselves out in our local context. I, as Jesus talked about kingdom, and Paul talked about, let's say, church and salvation, so we have to recognize that even vocabulary shifts from Jesus to Paul. Paul was not big with the word kingdom. Jesus, in a sense, used the word kingdom as his hermeneutic. Paul used other terms for his hermeneutic. We believe that that's vital to understanding what missional gospel work in the world meant, and therefore it's vital for what gospel and missional work means in our world today. That's great. So it's going to be directly tied into how we live out being the church today. What do you think are some of the ways that we specifically right now, right off the bat, um, can be informed by understanding the past to be able to, to live forward into the, the 21st century today? Well, let me give you an example. Uh, Jesus begins the most famous sermon in history called the Sermon on the Mount with a, a set of terms uh, that we call the Beatitudes. And Jesus says, for instance, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. All right, now, we have learned uh, in the history of the church that this is a good thing to be blessed. I mean, we want to be blessed. We have learned... Uh, that this is a very religious term and ultimately means we're going to get to go to heaven when we die. I have huge doubts that that's what was in Jesus's mind when he used this term, blessed, say, are the poor in spirit. And I have huge doubts that that's how his audience in the Galilee heard that. So, for instance, we need to take this word blessed and, and, and dig into some roots in the first century of how this sort of word was being used. And so I will use some, some lines from a book called Sirach that uses this sort of term and clarifies who it is that is approved by God, who it is that gets God's ultimate blessing, who it is who will flourish in this world. And it says in chapter 25, I can think of nine whom I would call blessed, and a tenth my tongue proclaims, a man who can rejoice in his children, a man who lives to see the downfall of his foes, happy the man who lives with a sensible wife, and the one who does not plow with ox and ass together, happy is the one who does not sin with the tongue, and the one who has not served an inferior. Happy is the one who finds a friend and the one who speaks to attentive listeners. How great is the one who finds 
wisdom. But none is superior to the one who fears the Lord, because fear of the Lord surpasses everything. Now, what happens to the Beatitudes when we read them and listen to Jesus on the hills of Galilee in that kind of context? Well, all of a sudden, Jesus is subverting the ruling establishment. He is subverting the way of wisdom, which is the way of the official teachers. Let's call it now institutional Judaism, or the kind of Judaism that was the establishment's way of looking at things. It was the establishment's way of sanctifying and legitimating its way of life. Jesus, instead of saying that the one who has all the normal blessings in life, turns everything on its head, and he blesses people who are persecuted. He blesses people who are peacemakers rather than warmongers. He blesses people who are poor. Why does he do this? Because he knows these are the people who are embodying, uh, who are taking root, as it were, in the deep kingdom realities that he's bringing. We want then to understand that world of what Jesus meant by kingdom in order to understand what it means in our world. Who are the sorts of people in our world today who are like the uh, the blessed ones of Sirach versus the ones who are the blessed ones of Jesus. I think we all will sort of gasp, as the first century people probably gasped, except for the poor and the persecuted, who, you know, who raised their hands in a V, realizing that they were finally going to see some victory. Who are those sorts of people in our world? That's the sort of kingdom reality that we're going to focus on in the Master of Arts in the New Testament at Northern Seminary. It's the sort of thing that I think we all have to focus on in Christian ministry today if we really want to be responsible to what Jesus meant by the word kingdom. So with the kingdom, Jesus was turning what the world understood about God on its head, and, and he seems to be doing the same thing and wants to be doing the same thing in our community and contexts yet today. You know, uh, Chaz, there's so many people that I've encountered who, if you would have known them 25 years ago or five years ago, you would say, I can't believe that that person has such a world, has such a kingdom impact. I just had coffee with a young woman who is, a, who is in ministry at a large megachurch in our area who 10 years ago was living the high life wonderfully successful, making a lot of money. Her life fell apart. Her marriage fell apart. Uh, she's a single mother, and she is thriving in ministry. And she just sort of looked at me, and she said, it's all sort of a dream. I, I, I never thought this was going to happen to me. I would never have expected that today I would be teaching people the Bible. And she's... Uh, She's one of the people who has talked to me about this Master of Arts in New Testament at Northern because she cares about digging deeper roots into the Bible, into the Bible's context, so that she can speak into her context more effectively. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful when I, when I encounter people like this, but I, I have met so many people in my life who I would never say that's the person who's going to make the kingdom of God who's mm -hmm. going to work for it. 
And I can, I can assure you that if you go back in my Baptist church in Freeport, Illinois, and you ask my Sunday school teachers, most of them, thanks be to God, are no longer with us and are enjoying the bliss of heaven so they can't tell stories about me. <laughs> but if you go back, I would say that I would have been, and we had a big Sunday school class of boys, maybe 10. Um, I think that uh, I think I would be in the at least the bottom third of people who might someday serve God uh, in in ministry. So I think most of us have a, a story to tell. If Paul has a story to tell and the great apostle thought he was untimely born and unworthy of it, I think all of us have that story to tell. Absolutely. So what if somebody is interested in this Masters of Arts and New Testament program, but they don't live in the Chicagoland area? What, what opportunities do we have for them um, to maybe partake? You know, this is an announcement. Uh, this is something that I have not uh, talked about publicly. I've, not, I've hardly talked about it with anyone. Is almost certainly, or at least very probably, developing a 100% synchronous learning classroom, which means you'll be able to be wherever you are in your context. Your roots will not be disturbed. We will ask you to dig roots, roots even deeper where you are, and you'll be able to turn on your computer and you'll be in our classroom. And we'll turn on our screens in our very specially designed synchronous classroom uh, uh, rooms, and we will be able to interact with you. We'll see you. You will be able to interact with us, and you will see us, and we will all be in the same classroom together, digging deeper roots for the kingdom of God in our world because we've learned how to dig deeper roots in the first century world, understanding the New Testament, Jesus, Paul, Paul and the rest of the apostles. So it doesn't matter where your roots are, you can join us in learning the roots of the kingdom so that you can better apply the mission of the kingdom in the context that you're in. Thanks so much for joining us on this first podcast. Scott, is there anything else that, that our listeners need to know? Well, you know, we're going to explore a variety of topics. We're going to interview different people. I have friends throughout the New Testament world, uh, and uh, some of them are in high places. And I expect to be able to interview them talking about vital topics that matter in ministry today, uh, areas where roots need to be dug deeper, where roots have been uprooted. And we want to explore how those kingdom ideas can manifest themselves in our world. And we're going to explore a variety of topics that emerge both in the New Testament and throughout uh, church ministries. Today.